2024 is pretty close. Um, I've probably got 15 years of product in my head at the moment. But if we take the next like three to four years, uh, basically to be able to say, look, if you're trying to buy enterprise software, the first place you go to is testbox.com. You say, I'm looking for these three or four vendors. Let me get my hands on. And it shouldn't just be in customer support, but basically all of the sales ops tools, all the marketing tools or whatever, basically come to Testbox and then you can um, make the best decision in a few weeks rather than many months. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Sam Senior. He's the co-founder and CEO of Testbox. Originally from regional Australia, he studied software engineering and economics at university where he met his co-founder, Peter. He left Bain after six years as a senior manager in San Francisco to build the future of software buying. He now lives in Boulder, Colorado. Sam, you ready to take us to the top? Yeah. Thanks so much for having me, Nathan. You bet, man. So what does this mean, the future of software buying? Well, I think previously everyone has talked about having an enterprise sales-led approach. Now people are talking about a product-led approach to growth and and selling software. I think the future is actually customer-led. So meeting the customer and how they want to buy software, the process they want to take and giving them a true hands-on experience. And so we've basically built an app that allows people to test and compare enterprise software before they buy without needing to talk to a salesperson, with a hands-on experience, with real data in there, and all the use case configures, they can do a side-by-side comparison within a, within minutes instead of doing a month-long sales process. Sam, how does that work? It sounds too good to be true. Someone listening right now that wants to try Salesforce, Salesforce is not going to let you try it unless you're on a sales call and all this stuff. Have you like pirated their software or something and give everyone access? Like, yeah. How do you do this? So we, we've been very intentional in starting with just one software category to prove our value. So we started in the customer support help desk space. We've actually gone out and built... Uh, partnerships with each of the major vendors. So we've got about six on the platform at the moment, three more in discussion, but we've got more than 50% of the market share of the top platforms already partnered in and integrated with us. And how do you define market share? So otherwise you wouldn't know how, if you have- In terms of revenue or users, really either is fine. Um, I think if you take revenue, for example, like Zendesk and the help desk space has 20 plus percent of the market share. They're actually one of our um, partners that's integrated into Testbox. Okay. And what about like Freshworks? Yep, integrated. Okay. And, and so and HubSpot Service Hub and, and a few others as well. So what do you give Zendesk and Freshworks to let them do this? They want people going through their funnel, obviously. So yes and no. I think they understand that people don't always want to go direct and go through an AE BDR process. Instead, they want to go self-serve and hands-on. We're basically taking that self-serve approach and supercharging it in a way that no one else has been able to do um, by getting it more real life like it's already been implemented for that end user. Um, so we're actually a, a new lead generation source for them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah, well, it's actually funny. Dixa's interview is next week. Uh, nice. Girish came on before their IPO with Freshdesk and Brian yeah. Hogan came on pre-IPO from HubSpot. So I've got, you also have Help Scout, Trengo, uh, and that crew as well. So this is cool. Yeah. So you're going to, I love how you're do, you're going to sort of focus on a niche here and dominate the niche. Why customer support software though? Why start there? So my co-founder and I actually about 10 or 11 years ago worked as IT help desk agents. So we just understood this space really well, having used these types of software before and, and understand the use cases that really matter. But it all got kind of coalesced around this experience actually 
where someone close to me had previously bought help desk software and I watched how painful that experience was. And I basically interviewed her the entire time to understand what the major pain points were and how we could make it better. So those two experiences together said, let's start there. Plus it's a hugely growing market. That's like 10 and a half billion today, growing at 10 plus percent. And it's getting more and more important. So it's also a good niche for that reason. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about growth. So you got going, you just raised some capital. We'll come back to that in a second, but you're onboarding. There's this three-step process. First is introduce yourself. What are people mainly picking in the industry drop down? Are you seeing concentration around like B2C tech or B2B technology or something? Yeah, like? so that that's primarily where we focused is B2B tech and then e-commerce, then fintech. Signups. What market are they in? Those three? Yes. Oh, okay. 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 Got it. Cool. And then, um, and then, bu- 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 so I'm going through it now. I love asking these questions. I write. So you're basically saying, what, what products do you want to test? I'm going to click HubSpot and Zendesk looking yeah. for another solution. So you're, you're basically doing user-generated content here. People start typing in something and it's like a new customer support tool that's taking off. You should be aware of it because people will start typing it, right? Exactly right. And so we're, we're basically trying to collate all that information so that we can say, great, we've had this many more people asking for this platform. Let me go build that partnership and get them integrated. All right. Talk money to me. When you give HubSpot a new customer, it's a hot, hot probably the hottest lead they can possibly get. You must yeah. have some economic upside here. Yeah, exactly. So with, with HubSpot, uh, it's about it's 20% of total contract value. So not just first year, but actually the entire contract value that we get paid. What if you help the customer sign up on HubSpot for 100 bucks a month? HubSpot the customer success managers work with them for 12 months and expand them to $1,000 a month. Do you get the expansion revenue too, 20% on that? Yeah. Okay. So you have to trust on HubSpot and Zendesk and Freshworks reporting back to you accurate expansion revenue on accounts that you help them land. Yeah, exactly. But that's, and that's part of the partnership terms in terms of terms and conditions, legal, all that sort of goodness. Super interesting. Okay. So you're effectively a sales rep for them, but running a different motion. But, but yes, but it's fully productized. Yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay. So when did you guys launch the business? When did you write the first line of code? Uh, the first line of code was written just over a year ago, but we launched in sort of a public beta in middle of June. So only a few months ago now. And, and what numbers do you care about right now? Like waitlist size? Like, what, Tell me what you care about. I think there's two major things for us. Because we're essentially building a marketplace, we need to be building both sides of that. So the big one of just like continuing to build partnerships really matters. So I'm trying to pick up a new partnership every month at the moment. So we have that supply side of the market. And then on demand side, it really is just like, how many signups can we be generating on a weekly, monthly basis? And then once they're in, how quickly can we get them to a decision? Is it going to take three months like it does today? Or is it going to be like a, like a recent uh, converted customer where it took them two weeks? Mm-hmm. And that's a significantly better process than they go through at the moment. So we're not done with October yet. So I can't ask you for October numbers, but in September, how many total new signups? So it, it's, it's less than 10. Um, I think we're at like sort of eight, that sort of number. So it's still small, but it, it's continuing to grow every single month. Got it. And how many customers have you actually, there are now paying on one of your six, you know, or nine partners? Yep. So we've closed, we've unclosed one deal so far, but that's, how does that said, feel? Months. That must've been amazing. How'd that feel? Yeah, it felt pretty incredible. There was a lot of jumping up and down. Um, but I think importantly at the moment, it's not just a, we've had a hundred person company use our platform, but we've also had a hundred thousand person company use our platform. So at the moment, there's a company that's 100,000 sort of FTEs using Testbox to make a decision on a new platform. So we're in this interesting phase where we've just been trying to build awareness and like we're just starting to see real elevation on size of company how quick, and a number of people coming into Testbox. 
what prevents you from arbitraging or, or, or basically, you know, taking up like HubSpot, like top keyword tools? Like you can start basically paying for ad space or running SEO to get those leads before HubSpot does. I imagine there's something in the partnership agreement that prevents that. No, uh, there isn't actually. It's just incredibly okay. expensive. I, I think okay. if you look at the cost for these sorts of ads, you're talking at least $120, $150 for some of these ads on those keywords. And then that just conversion on that, when you think about the percentage that we're taking, um, it doesn't really work out economics-wise. What about like a project SEO play though, right? HubSpot versus Zendesk. Yeah. HubSpot's number one, G2's number second, Stackshare's number three. I mean, you can run yeah. a playbook there and, and arbitrage. Yeah, that's exactly what we're doing at the moment. So does HubSpot like that? If you start outranking them, are they cool with that? Yeah, it's, it, that, that isn't a competitive term in our agreements with them. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you give them like a row for in the partnership agreement where if you ever want to sell or exit, they have first, like right of first refusal on exit price? Uh, not at the moment. <laughs> Well, we'll see how that goes in the future. But I, I think like right now, that's uh, our focus really is just like, let's keep being that amazing lead generation platform for them. Okay. Tell me more about economics. You're just getting going here. How much have you guys spent to date on getting the MVP live? Yeah. So we've probably spent something like $700,000 to get the MVP live. Um, and we raised 2.7. Um, and, and that MVP live is so much of it's like really deep infrastructure and orchestration of all these different services and getting them to spin up really quickly. That's like the more challenging piece. We haven't really spent any money on marketing yet, which is why the numbers are kind of on the lower side at the moment. Mm -hmm. The 2.7 was raised this year? Uh, Yeah, at the start of the year. Do you guys care about valuation right now, specifically your valuation? Do you think you might raise soon or sell a portion of the company? There is no other tool on the internet that you can use to get a better and higher valuation than FounderPath's new valuation tool. We have over 253 deals that went down over the past 30 days, all the revenue numbers, all the valuations, and the multiplier. That way you can go filter the data, find companies that are your same size, what they sold or raised for or at, and then use those as comparables in your decks to argue and debate and get a higher valuation and less dilution, which is the name of the game, less dilution. Check it out today at founderpath.com forward slash products. That's plural forward slash valuations. Again, both plural founderpath.com forward slash products forward slash valuations. Two of you guys, right? Do you split equity 50-50? No. It's okay. That's a tough conversation. Tell me about that. How'd you guys, how'd you guys sort of work that out? Yeah, I think, um, so my friend Peter and I have known each other for 11 years now. Uh, it was actually a relatively easy conversation for the two of us to go through. We, we realized that, look, a lot of the, the drive behind test box was driven by me when it comes to like the idea and the plan is sort of, we talked about like, is this the 10, 15, 20 year company for me? Yeah, it probably is. Um, for him, he's like, obviously committed for the next five years at least, but he's like, I don't know if I want to do this for 20 years, but, and and he's like, I don't think I'm going to be the one leading all of our really in-depth engineering stuff long-term. I want to be more of the people management piece. So like, as we thought about our roles in the company over time, we saw that um, they're going to change and develop and realize that actually there's, there was initially anyway, um, we thought that like my sort of level of commitment and the, the inputs that I was having into the business at the time were at that high value. All right. Come on. You got to translate this in the numbers. You're talking like, so you own 60%, 80%. How big is the difference? Uh, it, it's sort of two thirds, one third. Okay. Fair. Got it. So call it 66 to you, 33 to him, but now you're both dilute a little bit because you raised yeah. some pre-seed. I imagine you did a safe. Yes. 
Got it. How'd you come? Obviously, at your stage, it's not like a valuation multiple you're raising at. It's really what story can you tell? And do people believe that you can execute on the story? So yeah. you tell a great story. It makes clear sense to me here in just you know 13 minutes in. What cap were you able to raise at? Uh, it's a post of 12. Okay. Did that feel fair to you? It felt, it felt reasonable. Like we could have probably pushed to get to 13. But um, I think at the time we had a very limited prototype and a really great story. Mm-hmm. And a few partnerships basically built out. And we were, we're honestly, we'd spent two months working on the product at that point or the company. So it was so early in our journey that we're like, okay, that's fine. This is what we need just to move forward to the next stage. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a GPT-3 component of this? Yes. Tell me about that. So all of the data that we actually create for our end users, we customize for them. So if you say you're a B2B company or you're an e-commerce or whatever, we'll put different data into the platform based on what you tell us about you. And so we use the GPT-3 engine to be able to uh, customize that data. Interesting. Okay. Uh, Signal file on First Minute Capital were the main folks putting up the 2.7 million. How do you make sure they like work their butt off for you? I'm sure you had a bunch of term sheets. You want to make sure they're value add VCs. Yeah. How do you make sure you activate them to really help you build the business? Yeah, I have been incredibly impressed by Signal Fire actually. And I would, I would say 10 out of 10 recommend to anyone who's interested in, in raising capital. Um, they turn up whenever we ask them to on absolutely anything. I could text Elaine, our board member, and she'll respond to me in minutes, jump on the phone whenever. And they have, every time we've had a hurdle, they've gone and helped us figure it out. Um, So I lean on them pretty aggressively. I think a big thing is that we're very transparent with them. And that has allowed us to build a really strong relationship, which I think has been phenomenal. Um, And when it comes to first minute, I reach out to them at least once a month and say, like, here are the three things I need from you. Go make that happen. And they've, they've also been delivering, which has been pretty phenomenal. Tell me last thing that Signal Fire did for you, if you can be specific. Yeah, so we were um, having some interesting challenges with um, the security protocols that Zendesk has on their platform. Basically, like, it was creating some bot detection issues. And so they actually went straight to the chief of security at Zendesk and help us resolve that and work through their machine learning algorithm to basically approve everything we were doing. Unbelievable. There you guys have a signal fire and a lane doing a nice job here for Sam, yeah. which we love hearing. Okay, cool. So n- now let me ask you a question. Have you, did you have a, like, is this sort of your first foray into startups? You came from Bain or have you already sort of gone through the, the, the mill already? No, this is the first like full on go. Peter and I dabbled a little bit about 10 years ago or so together and made, made a little bit of money to pay rent, but nothing that was our serious full-time thing that we're tackling. I see. Okay, cool. Well, you got your first customer landed. And and which company did they end up buying from out of your six partners? Uh, so it was Zendesk and it was a company called ProfitWell, who I think you've spoken to before in your podcast. Yep, yep, yep. That's great. Okay, so uh, ProfitWell bought Zendesk. And so what are they now paying Zendesk per month? And then and then break me down like economics. Yeah, so um, we got 15 to 20% of that deal. And they bought something like 10 licenses. So if you look at the Zendesk pricing online, that ranges somewhere between fifty to eighty dollars per seat per um, per month. Okay, so let's just assume it's on the low end. So it's five hundred dollars per month. You're making twenty percent of that, so you get about a hundred bucks per month as long as ProfitWell stays active. Yeah, something in that range. Do, will Zendesk pay you upfront for the full year? So twelve hundred, they pay you as ProfitWell pays. Uh, so they will pay us uh, on with Zendesk. It is on annual contract value plus expansion. Um, okay. So we get the upfront annual contract value. Then anything that increases, we get paid later on. Very cool. Okay, so you're making you basically got a check from twelve around twelve hundred bucks from Zendesk, and now you can keep scaling. Yep. Very interesting. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, big, big, big fans of uh, of PC and ProfitWell and everything they're building yeah. up there. So, cool. Okay, got it. So you have your first twelve hundred bucks in ARR. Uh, you're you're going to keep scaling here. What's like the thing you're actually building towards? Right. This is a Trojan horse to what in twenty twenty four? 
2024 is pretty close. Um, I probably got 15 years of product in my head at the moment, but if we take the next like three to four years, uh, basically to be able to say, look, if you're trying to buy enterprise software, the first place you go to is testbox.com. You say, I'm looking for these three or four vendors. Let me get my hands on. And it shouldn't just be in customer support, but basically all of the sales ops tools, all the marketing tools or whatever, basically come to Testbox, and then you can um, make the best decision in a few weeks rather than many months. Sam, you guys made your first hire yet or just still you and Peter? No, no, we're we're at 10, 10 people already. Oh wow. How many engineers? Uh it is five engineers. Okay, got it. So if if I ask you like all in headcount expenses right now, how much are you spending just on headcount per month? Uh, about a hundred K. Does that make you nervous or you have plenty of runway? It's not not worried. Plenty of runway, not not a problem. Yeah, interesting. Anything else taking up a bunch of money that wouldn't be obvious in a SaaS business or no? Pretty standard. Pretty standard at the moment. Um, as I said, we haven't really focused too much on the marketing piece. We're really um Importantly, we need to buy, buy, build the supply side of the market with the integrations because before we become valuable for people. And so we've just been really focusing there with our dollars. Guys, crazy store. If you want to avoid all those marketing calls, sales reps, all that jazz, go test out testbox.com. Sam, before we wrap up here, let's jump into the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Oh, um, I really like Radical Candor. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying? Um, I think Bill HubSpot. Uh, Yep. Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building test box besides GPT-3 and besides any of the ones you're partnered with? (sighs) GPT-3 is the one that I wrote code for specifically. So um, (laughs) I think the team is loving AWS and writing um, with Chalice apps on AWS. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Eight. Eight. Okay. And situation married, single kiddos? Uh, partnered, not married, no, no children yet. And how old are you, Sam? I'm 29. 29. Last question. What's something you wish you knew when you were 20? Uh, the value of therapy. Who are you using now? How did you find your therapist? Uh, I connected with, uh, so someone I was close to had a phenomenal therapist and she basically helped me find like five or six people to go and interview. Um, and then I went through that process and have a phenomenal therapist called Andrea Dindinger. She's in San Francisco. Phenomenal. How do you, like a lot of founders, they, they, they hear that this is like, it's really valuable, but they don't even know how to use a therapist. Like what can you, without being like revealing personal stuff, I mean, what does a conversation with your therapist sound like? What do you talk about? Yeah. So we started really like checking in with where I am at emotionally and ensuring I use emotional feeling words rather than just thinking words, which I kind of do most of the time and then use that to say, okay, what are the things that are really affecting me in some way and go deep on that? I think we try to get a balance between acute issues. So what's happening in the moment and then also chronic issues, like what's been the stuff that's I've been challenged on for the last 10, 15 years. How do we continue to work on those on an ongoing basis? I, I think importantly, a really good therapist will help guide you and create some structure around this rather than allowing you to just sort of flounder your way through. Guys, Sam Senior with TestBox. If you want to test customer support software without sitting on sales calls, test them out. They just landed their first customer, which means they help someone buy customer service software. Zendesk specifically, they make 1200 bucks a year on that. They're off to the races, raised 2.7 million bucks at a 12 million cap as they get going here. Sam with owning call it two thirds of the equity because he sees really a long-term play here into many other product lines. Team of 10 right now, five engineers as he looks to scale the business. Sam, thanks for taking us to the top. Thanks, Nathan.